0: what up everybody we want to introduce you to uh a special guest today on today's built different podcast a, a dear friend of mine um man that's always willing to help me out um a guy that uh you know i kind of uh you know i admire but also too i uh, kind of uh you know had almost a uh i won't say envious experience as a fan but he's gotten to see things uh, at a level that i think every fan would want to and uh professional boxing and comes from a a family like that uh just has extensive background in us in a sport that you know all of us on this call love so i wanted to introduce you to uh astado altador um like i said again amazing guy great friend um very knowledgeable individual um but yeah astado if you don't mind like telling everybody a little bit about yourself kind of um what you do and um just a little background on, on yourself and who you are oh man first and foremost it's a pleasure being here Thank you
1: for the invite. You know, um, always willing to, to answer questions just to have that open conversation and talk about you know what what brings us together and that is you know the sport and our love for the sports. Um, a little bit about about myself. Um, I come from a family of fighters. you know we've been doing that from childhood grade school. Uh, uncle he was in one of the first um, UFCs, probably the first UFCs. He, he's a pioneer. Um, in the MMA movement, um, his kids—they've you know, um, all ranged from mixed martial arts, boxing, um, collegiate wrestling, and so on. Myself, you know, I've also did a few combat. You know, I started off in mixed martial arts, moved on to boxing, um, went to training, and just getting my feet wet within all the uh, amateur and
0: professional uh, athletes. No, that's, that's cool, man. I didn't, I didn't even know you were <clears throat> that you were a participant. Also, I know, um, you know, you had the the family ties and everything, but that's cool as well. That that you got in there, and you did it, and um, you know, mixed martial arts. You know what I mean? Like not just boxing. Oh yeah. So that's pretty oh, cool. That's 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 the ground roots for everybody. Everybody in our family, we started off at um,
1: mixed martial arts, then branched out with you know what we felt like was our cup of tea.
0: Yeah, that's you know you don't want to you don't want to mess with uh, your family you know what I mean like <laughs> that, that's a fa- that's that's a family gathering you don't want to be breaking up or anything you know what I mean get your ass whooped up there at the uh, at the park <laughs> <laughs> um so speaking a little bit about um you know we talked a little bit you gave us like a synopsis of the family and everything and and you're dabbling in the sport um what made you pursue uh you know a degree in uh, sports uh and exercise science at UCF and a human performance at UCF what was the interest level there oh man the interest level you know you can't get bored with sports
1: you know I was just trying to find um a career a degree that I felt like I you know I wouldn't get tired of and so you know I'm just looking at it like, well I'm always watching sports I'm always reading about sports uh specifically combat of course but you know sports in general I'm always interested in um not just that, I'm like, all right, so what can I do? What can individuals do to perform at the highest level? You know, max out their performance, just just be the best that they can be. So just looking in different areas. And also, you know, I didn't know, uh, I don't think I ever mentioned this. I was also looking for something that I can uh, pivot in with pre-med because I, I wanted to do orthopedics. So. I thought that was just a perfect way of doing, it. you know, orthopedia. You got the joints, muscles, ligaments, and everything. So sports medicine, exercise science, it all just went with each other.
0: So that's why I chose it. Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, so I know you touched on it a little bit, but what was it like growing up in uh, with a family of fighters? Like everybody kind of dipping their toes in in, the, in different combat sports, was it? You know, everybody always has, you know, fighting with their brothers and, you know, fighting. <laughs> my sisters and my brothers, I'm the youngest, so they used to tie me to the table, beat me up and stuff. But uh, what was that like for you guys? Oh, man, it was, it was fun. It was fun. And now that I look at it, I know
1: outside looking in, they would think we were crazy. So um, <laughs> our choice of fun, uh, fun was actually fighting each other. We would we would be in the living room and we'll push all the, the furniture out the way and create you know, like a square, circle, or octagon, or whatever, and we would take turns. Like, all right, yeah. you fighting him, and you fighting him, and then just go at it. Who taps out first, or who gives up, who starts crying first? Parents come in. And, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just playing. Like, no, <laughs> that was our fun. So it was. It, yeah. You know, it kind of sound crazy, but yeah, that's that's what we did, and it was always. It, it wasn't a rare occasion. It was always when we got together. All right, who gonna fight? What are we gonna do? Um, other cousins would come. People, you know, even those who didn't participate in combat sports that come over and hey, you're gonna participate today because that's what we're doing.
0: Yeah, what was crazy too is like, you know, we used to work together. Um, by the way, audience and Justin, Rebel and Sean. I think Sean had some um, issues with Wi Fi, but. Uh, I think he, I think we were talking about boxing, like out the blue, because, you know, I've always been a huge boxing fan, combat sports fan, and, uh, you know, working with people, you know, you start to figure out each other, what each other likes, and he mentioned uh, boxing, and we were, like, talking about fighting, and, like, you know, we we're just going through, like, everything, and he's like, yeah, my cousin's um, fighting tonight, I'm like, your cousin's fighting? And he's like, yeah, well, check it out on ESPN, and uh, his cousin, obviously, Andre Berto, and um, it was crazy, because that night I was going to watch some fights, um, And Berto just happened to be on that night, um, fighting. I think he was fighting, uh, I cannot remember his name. Um, tattooed guy, bald Puerto Rican from New York. Luis Calazo. Luis Calazo. Yeah, Luis Calazo. Good, you know, good fighter. Um, he was fighting him that night, I believe. And, um, so I watched that fight that night. I was like, oh, shit, there goes a cousin on there. So I thought it was pretty cool, but like, how, what was it like, you know, um, Because, you know, when I said I was a little envious as a fan of of your experience, um, you got to do what every fan would want to do. Walk, you know, walk in, hold belts, you know, stand on the apron and, and, you know, be a part of the announcement and, you know, cheering on your your cousin, your blood, which is, you know, awesome. Um, What was that experience like? Uh, Incredible. Incredible. I mean, like me
1: from watching him from the beginning. And being in a sport with him, you know, during the amateur times and, you know, us traveling together and, you know, me deciding, all right, let me just pursue my education. And not stop for personal reasons. And to see him continue that and be successful and just reach, you know, the different heights that all the athletes, you know, they, they dream about reaching, um, it's been incredible. I could say, you know, with us being so close Each time that he had to fight, each time he had to walk to the ring, we standing in in the ring on the apron or whatever, I got the jitters as if I was in there. I was just so nervous, anxious. I'm just like, man, I need to breathe. So I'm looking at him like I could only imagine how he's feeling if I'm feeling like this. So, I mean, it's, it's, a man once in a lifetime, let me say, like, you know, we always watch it on TV, but just to be in there, and not just be a fan in the seats. It's just actually getting, feeling the heat coming down from the lights that's hitting the ring.
0: It's 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 completely different. Jeez, man, yeah, that's um, yeah, every, it was crazy because I'd be watching that. They like, oh, I start up there with the <laughs> But um, yeah, I can only imagine how incredible that must have felt. And then like too the the emotional attachment to it. So it's like. You're there, but then it's like you know, you're there, but then you're you're thinking about his performance and making sure he's gonna be all right at the end of the day. And I mean, it had to be amazing the celebrations after the win, especially when he got the belt. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it was never really
1: even like fathom being there, especially holding the green belt at that. You know, he as he was taking the yes. step, and then he ended up getting the green belt WBC. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we talked about it, but did we actually try to feel that? And I don't think we we, we had up until then. So it was, it was, it was incredible. Yes.
0: Yeah, one of those, when you're in the moment, you can't, it's hard to reflect on it because you're like, the nerves are there. But then afterwards you're like, damn, we were just in there. I was holding the green, the most prestigious belt in the sport for my cousin, my blood and like, you know, per person I grew up with. It had to be like amazing. Um, so any like insights that you got? Cause like, I know there's a lot of things that probably happen behind the scenes in the locker rooms. And I know you've told me a few things that probably most fans would not be privy to, but anything like, you know, from a warming up uh, standpoint and like, you know, preparation standpoint that goes on in the, in the locker room, any, anything uh, that you can say that was crazy. Maybe you saw with other fighters or anything. Um, you know, it, it, it all differs from fighter to
1: fighter. Um, what you would like is for each fighter to be in the locker room relaxed, you know, off their feet, trying not to do too much. Um, I personally say be in the zone, but don't think too much into the zone because you know, you can kind of psych yourself out of it by thinking too much into it. So it's like, i say probably 70, 70% of the game is mental and We've, we've learned that along the way. Like I, I just started piecing together. I'm like, man, hey, all these individuals with massive talent. I know what y'all can do because you perform differently when you're sparring. But then when you get in the ring, that that, that mindset kind of changes because the pressure is on. So yeah. It's like in the, in the, in the locker room, it's, all right, sit back, relax, have fun. Just joke, laugh, all of that. Don't think nothing about it. But then as you get ready... You know, like say hour, hour and a half before a fight time. All right, now it's time to zone out, Um, start preparing, slowly warm up. You don't want to get too warm, but you don't want to go out there cold. So you got to find that balance too. Um Some some people like watching the the fights before them. Some people don't. They like just want to go out there and let me just do my thing. Because watching other people fight and seeing the results of the result that, like especially if you see one of your homeboys end up losing weight when your homeboys are getting dropped and it's like, Oh, that could be me. So it's just, just take it away. You know, some, a lot of people like to isolate themselves
0: before Is there any, cause you know, we kind of, we talk about it all the time. Like we're more into the old school mindset of fighting the old school fighters, like kind of the, you know, the business of boxing, like fighting the best, always fighting the best, um, you know, proving that you're the man in your division. Is there anything you would like to see change with today's fighters? Like, any advice, like, up-and-coming fighters um, to be, you know, to kind of put them back on that path? Because I think boxing has taken a couple steps back in the, in the last couple years, mainly because guys aren't fighting each other. The, guy, the fights that, you know, me and you always texting each other, like, damn, such-and-such such ain't fighting such-and-such. Such. Um, anything that you would say to, you know, up-and-coming fighters, like, to, to that you would like to see from them to to put – boxing back to where it needs to be for instance
1: um challenge yourself with each fight keep challenging yourself a lot of a lot of them want to build up a record um at the end of the day the record really doesn't mean anything because it's like looking at your record who you fought? you know you can be 35 to know but who are who were those 35 opponents like you can see Lomachenko he has a low amount of fights but look at his resume Mm-hmm. A lot of top tier fighters that he 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 went in against, um, and also tomorrow isn't promise. Oh, we're gonna let it simmer. Let him do his yeah, thing. I'm gonna okay. do my thing, and then maybe a year or two down the line we'll we'll meet. Look what happened with um, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Still pissed about that. It's 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 crazy. It's, tomorrow isn't promise, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have the same hype as before. They both were at the top of the games. They both had the belts. They both were undefeated. Now, you know, your true fans would want to watch that. Back then, you would have true fans in the general population who want to watch it just because they're following the hype. So I have to say, you know, don't don't get caught up in the hype. Just keep pushing yourself. You want to be the best, test yourself out, and fight the best. You know, even at, at certain levels, if you may not be ready for, um, a class A fighter. If you feel like you're a class C, class B fighter, fight the top class C, class B fighter, and then just keep pushing yourself to work up to the class A fighter, the champions.
0: Yeah, and I think you know the old school fighters. It was they would lose, but they were fighting the best, so it was like they could go back in and fight another top guy. But you know. They would fight, you know, the top guys, but it would be like trilogies, you know what I mean? So they would, the money was always there. If the concern is money, the money's going to be there if you fight the best. That's what I really wish they would understand, you know what I mean? Um, stop protecting the O and just fight the best. And, you know, it's it's got to be about you proving that you are the, you know, you're the best in that division. You're the man, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm tired of battles on Twitter. I'm tired of Instagram battles. I want to see actual physical guys getting in, guys and girls getting in there. The women are doing a fantastic oh, job yeah. fighting each other. Like oh, yeah. That. They're stepping up. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, women, the guys could take a cue from the women. They, you know, they're not scared of losing. They they want to fight the top girls in each division. And I wish the guys would do that now, you know, and stop battling on Twitter and taking a lesser opponent. And, you know, it's just, it's, heard in boxing. It's the sport, you know, we love, we both grew up loving um, and I wish it would just come, it would, they would step the game up and, and put the sport back on the top where it belongs again, you yeah, know. Yeah. But um, then he um push the politics to the side too. Uh, that, yes.
1: And he did have their own voice. You know, a lot of times it's, it's as you see in the ring interviews, hey, who do you want next? Oh, I'm going to let my team decide on that and blah, blah, blah. Yes. Who do you want next? Like, we didn't ask who do you, your team, the matchmakers, want next. Who do you want next? You know, it's just having your own voice in the game.
0: Yeah, you're right about the politics as well, because the belt, the sanctioning bodies too is a problem. Um, too many belts, guys holding up belts, and you're like, it confuses the general public. About who the actual oh, champion is, because everybody's holding the belt after. Yeah, fight.
1: interim, regular, super, diamond, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you name it, they got oh, it. Oh man, who's so, the real champ? You know, it's it's. it's... Yeah, that's the, yeah. Because there's never gonna be undisputed because of the matchmaking. So, um, every once in a while, you. I mean, now I think there's been more undisputed recently, but um, it's harder to do with all of the different opponents' belts. The um the, uh, you know, the mandatories. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, um, with that being said, I want to pass it off to Justin. He has some, some questions for you as well.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I know we, uh, we talked on off camera beforehand. Uh, you were just saying that you like kind of trained some fighters, like at like an amateur level a little bit. I was just kind of curious, like, how did you use your experience or your education in like sports science and human performance? How would you use that to help you, like create like a conditioning regime for uh, that was perfect for like boxers or fighters?
1: Um, I mean, it's just with that education, you was able to kind of uh, no, you was definitely able to decipher what's needed for the sport. Uh, right. Perfect example, and you know, it's, I'm going to keep it real basic. Is you see on TV and video streaming, whatever you see, a lot of boxers they do a lot of jogging, right? But then in the actual sport, when someone's fighting, like how much jogging do you think it is that, that's needed? How much endurance you're going to get out of jogging? With, um, with um, boxing, it's, it's, it's more of an anaerobic than a ro- aerobic sport. So all this jogging is aerobic. You're breathing and, and so forth. Um, and the actual sport is anaerobic because everything is explosion. You know, you're sitting there only for a little bit, then you're throwing a, a, a number of punches in a row, but holding your breath, ah, breathing, ah. But as you're jogging, you just control breathing, right? So the two don't go together. So um, since my education and me training individuals, yeah, from time to time I say, yeah, you can do a little bit of jogging, but your main conditioning will come from sprints because sprints will mimic you do in the ring of the explosion for what three seconds rest go ahead and sprint again three seconds and rest um i mean you know just using that as an example i think it 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 opened my eyes to a lot you know because even when i was training i'm gonna go run three miles i'm gonna go run five miles but then when it came down to my actual event i got tired and now I see why I got tired because I wasn't training how I should be training. I wasn't training my muscles. I wasn't training um, for the proper type of endurance.
2: Right. So is there like a, was there like a specific sort of metric that you really wanted uh, your fighters to focus on? Like heart rate, for example, was that like, did you focus on it from that perspective kind of, or was it more just based on like the actual No, it was, it was heart
1: rate. You know, we would establish the resting heart rate and, you know, we want to challenge and push ourselves to try to, peak at um, to a certain extent. And I want to get like, depending where they're at in their conditioning, um, try to get a max heart rate, probably or 85% of it. And rest, I would give them like 45 seconds to 60 seconds. And then let's do it again. And throughout training camp, they'll see how um, conditioned they are, they are to do it. Like they end up running three sprints dog tired a couple of weeks in because then we max out their their um the maximum heart rate then at after that time of three weeks or so because the condition tends to set in you'll see that max heart rate decrease for that very same exercise and that's a sign of them getting conditioned to do that on a continuous basis you know so it's just
2: right.
1: it's all it's all numbers to me I, I, that's how i see it it's looking at the heart rates tracking the heart rates where you are with it um how far can you push yourself you have to make sure you do that because sometimes you can push yourself too much um you know we can go into nutrition too where you start seeing dots black out and it's it was overexertion so
2: yeah yeah so like i guess another part of that you kind of were talking about earlier is like with the the mindset side of things so you can help fighters with like the physical side of things with like the sprints and the conditioning, but like what role does like the mental preparation, like what, what role does mindset play in like a fighter's preparation? And how would you uh, help fighters kind of deal with that sort of aspect, like the pressure of the moment sort of thing?
1: Um, The approach that I've I've learned to take was go out there and have fun. Like you, you don't you've you've done don't overthink it. You've done all your work in training camp. Now this is the fun. The hard work is in training camp. Um, people always you know compare themselves. Oh, the person the person their opponent fought before did this. Now I gotta you know do better than that. Or coming in as a top prospect or a contender. Okay, I can't I can't look crazy with this opponent. You know you're putting way too much pressure on yourself. It's just go out there, have fun, do do what you know how to do. Do what you do best. You have individuals who, I think we spoke off, cam- um, off camera about this. You have individuals who are phenomenal in the gym. They'll spar, any, they, they'll, spar the, the, they'll spar the champ in the gym and whoop the champ's ass. But then when it comes down to the actual performance and the event, the lights, all that come up, that mental hit. All these people are watching me. I gotta do better, I gotta do good, and that performance doesn't even equate to how they've been training in camp for the past six weeks. It's like who is that in that ring? Like they just fold under that pressure because they overthink it.
2: So like when you're training a fighter and stuff, like in their training camp, like for conditioning sake, like what's what kind of do you use any sort of like technology to track the the heart rate and things like that, like a Fitbit or like an Apple Watch? Like, what kind of stuff do you use? And if you do use anything, what what do you like not like about those methods? I guess for training.
1: For training, it's it's not comfortable. I've tried. I personally tried the Apple Watch. I've tried the Fitbit. I've tried the uh, Garmin Pile um, heart rate monitor. It's just not comfortable. Um, it's not what you our customs are wearing. It doesn't feel natural. Neither one of the technologies that we've used feel natural, but we want to get that number. But I kind of think it's, 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 it may be skewed because you're not moving how you would naturally move because you have this on your wrist. You have this across your chest trying to monitor your heart rate. Interesting.
2: You're saying just for like sparring or for like running too? or all. Just like any like. All of them. All of them? Yeah. so yeah you actually uh, mentioned something earlier that I wanted to ask you about you were talking about like nutrition um, what kind of insight do you try to give fighters in regards to like diet and nutrition when it comes to like training camps and stuff like what role does tech uh, does uh, nutrition play in helping fighters make weight and then actually perform the best like how do you tell fighters to go about game planning for that
1: um, game plan just have to know which fuel like Micros, macros, nutrients will fuel your body to best. Um, you know, old school way of making weight is starving yourself. But now with technology and all of the um, education that we've we've come across that we've de- developed, um, people eat three, five meals a day and still able to make weight because you're monitoring what you're putting in your body and you're making sure it's not junk. You're making sure it's fuel for your workouts that you will deplete, um, you'll make sure that you're not putting as much as what you're burning, you're burning more than what you um, put in caloric intake. Um, There's a lot of those factors that that play into making weight and also having as much energy as you would need to perform at that peak at the same time.
2: So I'm curious for you since you've you have so much experience being being around like boxing training camps and stuff, what do you think are like the biggest challenges that boxers run into uh like on a whenever they're getting into the training camp and stuff are the challenges that like an amateur boxer that are common for an amateur boxer are they the same as like for a professional boxer's challenges or how are they how are they different
1: um I think to a certain extent it depends on depending on the resources that that they have. Um, right. Most amateur boxers don't have the resources that pretty established or becoming established professional boxers have. So a lot of them take the old school approach of, um, I'm going to sweat it out. Um, it's, it's all hard work. You know, it's, we're not going to monitor anything. We're not going to develop our fast twitch muscle fibers. We're, you know, they don't pinpoint anything. It's just we need to work hard when you work on these combinations we need to focus on what's muscle memory that's all we, we need in order to get through you know these bouts or tournaments but when you come down to professional that's when you know you have to start dissecting it because there's no erasing an you know, amateur amateur record is not as important as a a professional record so when you hit the professionals you have to take it serious because there's no going back
2: yeah, so it seems like amateur is very much just focus on the basics and just kind of make the best of what you have, and then as you become more professional, you just that's the more uh, resources you can get. So it's the the challenges are just different. It seems like right,
1: and you can you can so. tell because you will see. Um, honestly, there's there's been a lot of amateurs who turn pro. You'll see, for example, you will see two amateurs who've gone through the rankings with each other, one better than the other. Uh one may be rank number one, one may be rank number five. And then as they enter the pro, the roles change because rank number five now have the resources to better themselves. Rank number one has the resources, but their natural talent isn't as good as or as number five. So now it's like an even playing field. So I've seen where you know, somebody who was an okay amateur became the champ and who, a person who was number one champ in amateurs became pretty much a nobody. Didn't even make it to a contender simply because of, you know, the resources that they had because it was just hard work, hard work. Some of them end up depending on natural talent, athleticism, and the other ones put in the hard work and so forth.
2: That's fascinating. I never really thought about it like that, how the resources really just make the difference for the fighter. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I think Sean has the next couple questions.
3: Yeah. So I know you kind of talked about, you know, uh, the different technologies as far as, you know, training fighters and stuff like that. Are there any like technologies that you use as far as like weight cutting, like to make sure that a person is, either doing a healthy weight cut or like to make sure they're on track with what they should be doing during their weight cut um a nutritionist a nutritionist will come in um
1: and just track you know it's tracking macros and micros it's 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 really time consuming um also knowing um an athlete's response to certain um, nutrients vitamins that they intake you know some some people might be um gluten sensitive and not even know it and they're they, they're which will cause them to digest certain things completely different than a normal person would or a person who's not um allergic or sensitive to gluten so it's it's again you know you have to break it down and see what uh what works best for that athlete
3: gotcha and then in, in your opinion what areas of combat sports do you think are, like, the biggest need of improvement or change? Like, whether it's, you know, scoring, weight cutting, recovery. Like, what what do you see as the biggest issue in combat sports as a whole right now?
1: Um,
3: that's a great question.
1: I would say uh, it could be recovery, definitely recovery. Um, athletes tend to get, get hurt. You know, we've seen individuals return way too soon and end up, you know, either ruining ruining their careers or being sidelined longer than they really needed to be because they came back too soon. Um, you know, again, there's there's technology that help with recovering a little bit faster, um, reducing inflammation. Um, you know, people do the the, the hyperbolic chambers to. Just for that people also use the uh, the cryotherapy all for recovery, you know, just so that they can make sure that they're healing properly and not having to go into um about with any type of injuries. Granted, we do still hear individuals after the mass, yeah I had a shoulder injury, I had a you know, my fist or whatever it is, but um, again with the resources people people do that.
3: So before this call, you know, and you've seen a little bit of our technology um, and even not our technology necessarily, but technology in general, what, are there any concerns that you have when you're using technology as far as like, like concerns about using it necessarily or no? Do you, do you feel like you're someone who generally trusts technology and like the benefits that it could have?
1: Um, I trust technology and the benefits that it would have. Um, I'm always looking into how accurate the, um, the results are from the technology. So um, like myself, you know I, I'll use the Apple watch. I know it's not accurate, but it gives me a baseline and it kind of tells me what I need to do, what I need to slow down on, and so forth. So I, I'm all I'm all for technology because without that I don't we would just stay you know stagnant. It's, there's no way you know improving and pushing ourselves to the limit.
3: I very much agree. Um, so then what information would you say, like, is the most important to track during a training camp or during a fight? Like, is there any one metric or like thing that you see as like, this is like the key to winning or like to getting better? Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily need to be something that you can track right now, even if it's, you know, just something that like from, your background or from any of your training that you see is like this is something that I've found to be really important.
1: What's really important is uh, obviously it's, it's, endurance. Um, whether it's cardiac, cardiac endurance or, you know, muscle endurance. And it's you know, definitely muscle endurance because you're throwing a lot of punches and maybe throwing a lot of kicks and all, um, what else? precision, you don't want to waste punch kicks, uh, moves or any of that. So precision definitely, you know, and, and what you got, you guys proud of being able to um, clock how precise someone is, that will go a long, long way. Cause you have, you know, i at fighters who throw massive, massive punches, but then it's like, how accurate are they? And then you have people who, Punches and bunches get through the fight. They're dog tired, and then you have some others who sit back and are so precise, and, and they'll hit you with like a a three piece, and you're out because it's the precision. They know where they're placing their punches, how they're supposed to be throwing it, the power behind it, and so forth. Um, perfect example for me is uh, Javante Davis. This guy, he he knows where to put his punches. Like his example, Mike. The pro- he was that this fight, Javante Davis. Versus Leo Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz punches and bunches. They're not always landing. He's just going to punch, punch, punch. Whatever lands. All right, I'm going to get it. Have his bed move all over the place. But Javante take his time. You you see his eyes. He's locked in. Boom, boom. Placing them, And we saw what happened. You know, that's, that's very important. Um... I mean, I think that's what I can—that's all I can think of right now. Uh, I'm sure it's plenty, like, if you give me time to think, but I, there's, there's plenty more I can think of.
3: And then last question that I have is, you know, how you, you've seen our technology, you haven't necessarily used it yet, but, like, from what you've seen and what, you know, we've explained to you and stuff, how do you think that our technology can benefit, like, a fighter's career individually and then, like, combat sports as a whole? Um. Um. It'll definitely
1: improve both areas. It'll be no more debate. You know, just be like, no more debating. Oh, this person has the fastest hand in boxing or fastest hand in um kicks in MMA. How do we know that? You know, we saying it just by our visuals, or by our eyes. We don't know that. Oh, this this guy's the hardest puncher in the weight class. How do we know that? We don't. We don't have the technology. We don't have the data to prove that. But bringing in um, technology that you guys have, it'll shut all that up, and then it'll motivate individuals to, all right, no, I want that title. I want to be branded the man with the fastest hands or who hit the hardest. And so, using that very same technology, they're gonna start training, keep clocking until they try to get you know reach that that, that, that goal. So it it works hand in hand.
3: Yeah. We, we've seen that level of, uh, competitiveness when we brought it to the gym and stuff. And, you know, like one guy goes and he hits it hard and then his buddy goes up and hits it harder. And he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I need to go back and try it again. You know, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I could, I could see that. I mean, this is going to be a, a groundbreaker. I can see a lot of the um, athletes taking this, running with it, um, and it's gonna it's gonna create a new level of uh, performance. It definitely is.
0: Appreciate that. Man. That's what that's what we're aiming for. Um, Sean, I didn't know if you had any other questions.
3: No, so, that's it.
0: Um. Yeah, no, Sardo. I I want to thank you again for hopping on. I don't know if there's any anything you wanted to say as well. Um, you know, any questions you have for us, or anything or any kind of final words you wanted to give? Oh, no questions, man. You know, I I love what you guys are doing.
1: Keep it up. I mean, it's it's definitely going to be something that um shakes the game up big time. Like um, track, like show stats. Um, HBO had theirs whenever they had boxing. It's it's, it's just going to change all that up because I even. Looked at those type of stats and like, um, that don't look accurate, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> me, me, me and you have had those conversations over and over again. Like, man, they say he threw how many punches? No, nah, I we mean, watched it. He didn't throw that close to that many punches. You, you like,
1: now what are you counting as punches? You know, <laughs>
0: like he, oh, he put them off and the, that as two punches because he used it with both fists. Come on, like, no. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that over and over. I've even watched video of people slowing down the video, and it's like, they're like 20 punches off. I'm like, this guy didn't land 40. He landed 20. Like, where are they seeing this? You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Nah, that's, that's funny, because me and him, we we have these conversations all the time, like texting each other about the stats and stuff, man. This is funny that you brought that up. <laughs> I just be rolling my eyes. Yeah, but no. Nah. Okay. I
1: just be like, man, what are they talking? about? <laughs>
0: The the bad thing about it, though, is that it gives fans the wrong perspective of who actually won. Like, you know, because fight fans, you know, we all of us all are fight fans. We watch the fight and we might have a different perspective of it. And we're always like, well, such and such landed this many punches. I'm like, I don't think he landed that. You know what I mean? But if you're a fan of that guy, you're automatically going to be like, yeah, he landed more punches. So I think he won the fight. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. You're going to be biased. We have people who slip punches. But, oh, no, those connect. i like, he clearly slipped that punch. But Let's count it, though. Yeah, man, this this, this yeah. is going to be a game
0: changer. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate you always helping out. And I mean, when this thing first started, you know, you were counseling the, you know, the graduate students that were working on our like MVP version of it. So, um, you know, anytime I reach out to you, you never say no, man. I always appreciate that. And, um, you know, you're one of the, the, the day ones on this on this project. So I always appreciate you and the, any help that you give and. Sure, we'd love to have you on the podcast again, talking talk boxing. I mean, we text about it all the time. Why not have you on here talking about it? Oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm so here for it. I'm here for um, it. So anybody that may want to train with you or anything or any fighters you want to shout out, like how can how can people get in touch with you? Like where where can people reach out to you? They can reach out to me. Email me directly. e a a l
1: t i d o r at gmail.com. Um social is weak, so you, social media, Twitter at T E E D O E, the
0: number three. Um and that's my only presence that I have right now. Awesome, awesome. Any anybody you want to shout out, uh fighters or anybody like any who's uh some up and coming fights that you want to see and fighters that you're you're interested in seeing? Man, um you know, you put me on the boots and I'm
1: I'm I'm very curious after his last fight. Like how he how would he do with the elite. I still think he would do do extremely well. You know, shout out to Boots. He's he's one of the entertaining fights. Like, man, he's his talent. He's he's remarkable. Um, obviously Javante Bates. That's my guy. Um, Earl Spence is the dog. He, he 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 does his thing. And you know, I'm still I'm still old school. Like I I'll go back to um I wanna see Andre Durrell do his thing, if he can come back and make one last run at it. We've seen Anthony do his, win the title twice. I think uh, mm-hmm. Andre is very deserving to to get that opportunity. You know, he, he had a luxurious uh, amateur career, won, won bronze in the uh, 2004 Olympics. You know, he was well on his way um, in the pros, and, you know, who knows what happened. But if he's still in it, I want to see him do it. Um and we can't, you know, we can't say anything bad about Andre Ward. You know, he, he came and did his, you know, it may not have been all flashy or whatever, but his technique, technician, man, very sound fighter. Nobody could break the code, even when they thought they had it. That's the man right there with the mental game. He would never let yes. anything crack his mental at all. N- nothing, nothing you could say whatever you want to say. He can see anything happen to anyone. He goes in there still believing in himself, knowing what he can do, knowing that he's going to execute. Nothing that you can do to stop me from doing what I already have set in my mind. And that's what a lot of fighters do. Obviously, you know, going, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. But then, like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's what happens. It goes out the window, and they just start throwing, 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 throwing. At the end of the fights, I've heard plenty of fighters, man, I ain't do... This I didn't do that. I should have did this. I should have did that. Andre Ward never the case. I did it all, and as a result, he did everything that was in the ring undefeated, um, multiple weight champion, multiple time champion. Like it gets no better for that that mental stability, mental strength. That guy right there.
0: Well, I think he had you know he had your your cousin's um, trainer. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, Virgil. They had Virgil. Virgil's a a huge motivational type of coach mm-hmm. so he, virgil's not gonna let you let you lose like lo, let you lose the mental side of, of the of the uh fight he kind of always like instills in you like he he's just motivating words in the corner like instructions but also motivates you to to keep going and like you know i love when he tells them uh you're not gonna like yourself in the morning when you uh when you wake up if you don't do x y and z so mm-hmm. Um, I think he played. He obviously played a big part as well with Ward, but yeah, Ward is fantastic follow on social media, like just student of the game. And I would have loved to see him continue on, but you know he retired probably at the right point for him. Um, but man, there was a lot of other big fights I would have loved to see him him uh, competing. Yeah, I mean he would have to stay around just to
1: wait, allow the others
0: to build up to get to where he is.
1: And him doing, doing so, I think he would have um, he would have hurt himself you know he was already at the top of the game. I think Andre Ward is what, 38, 39 right now. So he was, he's 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 older. So waiting for these young bucks to develop to get to his stage would have possibly put him at a disadvantage. So you know he I think he he left right in time. Like I wasn't even mad. I'm like, yeah you did everything that you said you was gonna do. You did everything that you wanted to do. And you did some. You did he did more. Hey fight Kovalev. He did that fight him again. Okay. Like, I was supposed to retire after fighting him the first time. All right, I'm going to fight him again. Did that? he was like, all right, I have nothing else to prove.
0: True, true. So, but no, I appreciate you again for hopping on, man. We would love to have you on again because, like, we could go on and on talking about boxing. We text all the time and sending you updates and you sending me stuff. So, but no, I appreciate you being on. appreciate all the kind words and always looking out for us, man. It's a pleasure, man. Pleasure. Uh, I would love to be back. All right, well, with that being said, we want to go in and close out another episode of Built Different Podcasts. And uh, for myself, for our guests, Estado, Sean, Justin, Raul in the background, thank you guys for another episode. Come check us out, comment, like, subscribe. And, yeah, um, be a part of the conversation. um, Reach out to Estado for some some training and for some uh, nuggets on the fight game. That being said, we'd like to say peace out to everybody. Have a good week.